0: We are in a series where we are looking at Jesus, who He is, what He's called us to be, His mission, His ministry. Ultimately, we'll look at His death, His sacrifice that He made for us, and then His resurrection. To help us along the way, we're using the Gospel of Luke. And we have these Luke journals, these scripture journals. They're available in the for you if you want to grab one. You're more than welcome, but uh, lots of people are using these. And they're following along with the sermons and the messages, and you can use these, and you can grab a sermon that you missed online. Those are available, because I've got a lot of people that are going, hey, I, I want to keep my journal up to date, you know. Now, there's not a prize for keeping your journal up to date, but there is a blessing, okay? And I want you to be able to experience all of that. Well, today, uh, I need to talk just pretty ma- matter-of-fact and straightforward. Today, I may step on your toes. But I want you to know that if I step on your toes, uh, two things. One, it's not me. It's the Word of God at work. And two, I've had my toes stepped on this week already by preparing for this, this message. And so I join you in that. But today I want to talk about a specific thing because as you see in a minute, what Jesus is going to invite us into is going to ask us to look into a mirror. Now we have... Conflicted relationships with mirrors, don't we? Okay? Most of us don't jump out in the bed and goes, I cannot wait to see myself in a mirror. You know? And, but it, it's strange because oftentimes, too, even though we look at ourselves in the mirror, sometimes even that can be deceptive to us. And so we've got to slow down and pay a lot of attention. This past summer, um, uh, I was on vacation with Erica and we were on a mountaintop. In, in New Mexico, and we're enjoying that. And so I said, let's get our picture made together. And so I hand off my, my phone to somebody else, and they snapped a picture. When I looked at the picture, somebody had Photoshopped a gut onto my picture. <laughs> now, I had looked in a mirror every day that I could ever think of at one point during the day, and I had failed to see that. But I know what happened is... My mirror conspired with my phone that says, you've got to talk to him because he's not listening to us. I put that picture into my favorites to inspire me to lose some weight. I thought about showing, does anybody want to see the picture? I'll show you the picture. There it is. Okay, so, so I'm sharing it with you now, so, so you know. Um, but it was information that I suddenly needed to hear. And unfortunately, that may be what we need to see today, is information that maybe we've ignored. And so when I say a mirror, my grandmother had one of those mirrors. It was fascinating to me as a kid growing up. I think they came out somewhere in the 70s. But it was a mirror, and you could change the lighting on it, I guess, to adjust if you see how your makeup looked in different lights. But the other thing that it did, one side was just a regular mirror. If you flipped it around, it became like this magnifying glass mirror. Anybody seen one of those? So like every pore on your nose just jumps out, you know, real big? That's what Jesus is asking us to look at today. Is take a real, up-close, self-conscious look at ourselves. And be okay with what we see there because there's grace to be found there. But he's going to ask us a very specific question. He wants to know, are you listening? Are, are, are you listening? Because listening is not something that we do well, Right? Listening is not something that comes easy. Uh, ask my family. One of the things I struggle with, if there's a screen on in the room, if there's a TV on, it has my attention. Okay, I'm not proud of that, but I'm like drawn to it, moth to a flame. You know, my only, my only defense is somebody's getting paid thousands of dollars to know what it is to capture my attention. They're earning their money, okay? So I am like focused in listening to each other and listening To what God is doing in our life requires us to pay attention in a different way. So we're going to share in a parable today. And a parable is a story that Jesus tells. And a parable is a story that Jesus um, uses to illustrate what He wants us to find. And in many ways, He invites us into this story. And you're going to find this one in Luke chapter 8. And if you have your scripture journals, you're going to find that on page 60 you want to turn on your Bible or open it up. I'm going to start working our way through Luke chapter 8 here together. And then we'll make some, some application of it. It begins this way. Soon afterward he went on through cities and villages. Proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Chuza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their means. Now, I want to start here because this is where Luke starts. and We're not into the parable yet, but I want you to pay attention. Luke slows down long enough in his telling the story to say, let me tell you who's running around with Jesus right now. Let me tell you who's in his entourage. And he gives... He talks about the 12. He gives them a mention. He mentions all the guys together. But then he specifically calls out some of the women. And for Luke to do this, you need to know this is going against the culture because the women were not considered people that you would give attention to. The women in that culture had a very second-class citizen status. And here's Luke following the lead of Jesus and elevating women, the status of women. And so he gives, he shares with some of them. He says, first there's Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Now, on Wednesday night, I get to meet with some of our leaders, and we study this together, and one of our leader moms said, is that referring to her kids? So, I don't think that means that. But Mary Magdalene, she was possessed. Jesus had a redemptive work in her life, and he redeemed her cast him out, and now she's completely in love and following Jesus. And then he mentions jo- Joanna. And this is a powerful one, because Joanna, he tells us, Luke tells us, is the wife of Chusa, and that is, she's married to Herod's household manager. Okay, now, Herod is the king. There was another other Herod that tried to have Jesus killed when he was just a baby. This is the new Herod, his son, has taken over. And he has a chief of staff, and that is Chusa. And choose his wife as Joanna. Now, Herod is going to come in conflict with Jesus before the end of the story. But all along, is this not incredibly ironic that Joanna, who clearly should be in a seat of, of admiration, in the limelight, she should be the kind of the who's who list, she should be hobnobbing with the most powerful, the most wealthy, the most influential, because she's the wife of the chief of staff of Herod. And here is, Luke says, she is with Jesus. And so all along, Jesus' ministry is being funded by money that Herod is paying Chusa. Is that not incredible? And John tells us this. I mean, Luke tells us this in this gospel. And then with saying that these are some of the people that are around Jesus, this is the kind of people that are starting to follow Jesus, he gives us this parable. Verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from the town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed some, and he sowed. Some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and it choked it. And some fell into the good soil, and grew, and yielded a hundredfold. And he said to these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus would do this often. He would use parables. He would use these stories. And they're they're illustrations. And what you need to understand from this is, this would have been a very familiar illustration to anybody at that time. Now, we still live in a fairly agricultural society, but nothing like what they would have experienced. See, today's version probably would have been, A man went to H-E-B. And as he went up and down the rows, here's what he saw. But he's trying to reach into something that's very common to everybody, that's a focal point, a universal connection for everybody. And so he's using this thing, because they had all either participated in this act of sowing the seed, or they'd all seen it, or they knew someone that did. It was just common to life. And so everybody's leaning in, and they're listening. Now, Jesus doesn't always do this. But Jesus explains this parable. And so in the next few verses, he gives us the answer or the explanation, the understanding of what we're supposed to receive out of this parable. And so, again, here's the words of Jesus. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, it's a great question. Now, Luckily, somebody's asking the question that I want answered. You ever been in a group and you're afraid to raise your hand because you feel like you're the only one that doesn't understand what's going on? Well, the disciples, they're willing to raise their hand. He asked them what this parable meant. He said, To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So that seeing, they may not see. And hearing, they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those that who have heard. When the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of resting fall away. And as for what the what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who who, hearing the word, hold it fast and an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So the first thing he does is he gives this very cryptid line. It says, it says, To some, to some it's made known. To others, I'm using parables. And it says, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, that bothers me, right? Does that bother you? Because it sounds like what Jesus is doing sounds like, hey, I've got my favorites picked out. So I'm going to talk in an insider language. I'm going to talk in a code that only those that I've already picked out can understand. Okay. I, I want to help you understand that's not what's going on here. This is not Jesus doing some kind of selection going, I'm going to tell it in such a way where you can understand it, but she can't. First of all, we need to, when Jesus says the word understanding, some may understand, he's not simply talking about an intellectual process. In fact, the word brain never shows up in your Bible. There's no translation for the word brain in your Bible. So anytime it talks about understanding, it doesn't simply mean a knowledge fact that some are going to understand and some aren't from an from a intellectual standpoint, but it, it wraps up an intellectual, an emotional, and a spiritual, all in one. They would not separate them out in the same way that we do. They would see it when they talked about it, it came from your gut or from your heart. They're meaning all three of them are already together the mind, the spirit, and the emotion. The mind, the spirit, and the heart coming together. And so the invitation is there are some that are going to buy into this and they're going to accept it with all their heart, with all of their understanding. And some others are going to reject it. And he's using a parable, and the reason he uses a parable is because he wants us to be seeking him in this. Because for Jesus, and part of the Christian faith is, it's not simply give me the answers, but there is a journey and a process here. The best way that I know to describe this. I've been thinking a lot about my mom. Today's a five-year anniversary of my mom passing away. So this week, I've been having all kinds of memories and nostalgia, thinking about her. And one of the things that was always her hallmark was at Christmas time. And I, we didn't grow up with much money. And so I think mom employed a strategy to drag Christmas out as long as possible, because there just wasn't that many presents. And so one of the things she would do is there was always one present. is usually, I guess, you would consider it the big present that she would hide from us. And then there was a scavenger hunt for it or a clue hunt for it. And so at some point, either in our stocking or somewhere hidden on the tree or maybe in another package, we would open it up and there's this clue. And it would send us scampering somewhere off in the house and there's another clue. And then it would send us into the backyard, and there's another clue. <clears throat> and then it would send us into the garage, and there's another clue. And I guess depending on how many times, she, how much time ahead of time she got to prepare, you know, it could be 10 to 15, 20 clues. And we're chasing these clues around the house and getting finally there's the, the present or the prize. What I would tell you is looking back on that, I don't know that I could tell you maybe two but probably not more than that the actual presence that i received but i can tell you a lot about the hunt for it cuz that memory is alive see what jesus invites us into when he gives a parable he wants you caught up in the story and he's inviting you into the search he's inviting you into look in the mirror see what i have to say here are you listening is this question? So look what he does. He gives us these different kinds of soil, and so he tells us. Here's a sower going out, and the image is a man with a sack slung over his shoulder, and then he has seed. And you need to understand, seed is valuable. Okay? Seed is still valuable today. But then, it was your commodity. It was your livelihood. And you wanted to return a, return a harvest based off that seed. And so here's the sower. He's going out. He's reaching the sack. And he's throwing the seed. And he's throwing the seed. And he's throwing the seed. And he's throwing it, quite frankly, very generously. He's throwing it on all kinds of soil. All kinds of receptive places. And Jesus says, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the message that I've come to bring. The seed is the grace that I bring. And then he says, the ones along the path, remember some fell along the path. When you need to think about path, don't think so much about a dirt path, but think about more of a stone path, like a sidewalk. And these seeds are hitting the sidewalk. And because there's so much, the either the ground's so hard packed or it's so trodden by people, or it's you know, covered up with stones and pavement that the seeds can't penetrate anything. And so they're just, they're just sitting on the surface there. <clears throat> and he says that exposes them to come and be plucked away by anything that's going to come along. They're eaten up by, by the birds. He's talking about anybody whose heart is going to be defensive. This is the one where they hear the Word of God, but the defenses are up. And sometimes they're up because of something that's happened to us. Sometimes they're up because we think we've, we've got God figured out. We've got him outsmarted in our mind. But whatever the reason is, <clears throat> the defenses are up. And they're saying, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to let it penetrate. So that seed goes nowhere in that moment. And then he goes on to the next one. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, Receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and a time of testing fall away. When you see this one, don't picture just a stone, but this is a rocky soil where, and we've got a lot of this in this area, where like the limestone's just right under the surface. And so there's a few inches of dirt right on top. There's a little layer of dirt or dust on the top of it. But you you go to try to dig a hole into it, and you're just breaking your back at that point. Because there's always rock. And so there's not nowhere for the roots to go. And there's nothing to give it strength. There's nothing for it to drive, to, to pull nourishment from. And so it's just sitting there. And then he's very clear with what he says. They receive it with joy. And so something can sprout there. Something can begin to grow there. And you'll see these little plants, you know, just right on top of a rock, start to sprout up. Just, just a little bit of soil. He says, but unfortunately... And the tragedy is that there's no strength to it. There's no resilience to it. And look at what he says. He he unpacks this parable for us again. They receive with joy, but since they have no root, they believe for a while, and then in times of testing, fall away. And it's very specific. There will come trials or temptations in your life. And the trials could come... Because of a disease. The trials could come because of a broken relationship. The trials could come because of an economic downturn. The trials could come because of a loss of a job. The trials can come in so many different ways. I didn't make the team that I wanted to make. I didn't make the grade that I wanted to make. I didn't get the date with the person that I wanted. And there's all these trials that come, and some of them may seem small, and some may seem big, but what he's saying is when they come, they start, they pull out all the moisture, they pull out all the nutrients, there's not many there to begin with, and so the plant begins to wither and die, or it's a temptation, you know, when the trials and the temptations come, temptation comes from something else, a substance, or a someone that comes into your life into your radar and in your sphere and begins to pull you away and then suddenly because there's no root there begins to wither away. Jesus keeps saying, "Are you listening?" Then he goes on, "And as for what fell among the thorns, some of them fall among the thorns and as they grow up, those are who they are those who hear but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the And look at this. So this plant grows, and then it's choked out by these thorns. Look at what he says the thorns are. So if I was writing the Bible, my next sentence would say, it's choked out by the thorns. You know, all the bad things in life. That's not what's here. And if you're writing in your journal or in your Bible, I want you to highlight or circle this next sentence. They're choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. I did not expect that sentence there. Here's what he's saying. This one, there's some soil there. And the seed lands in it, and it begins to grow, and it's looking healthy, and it's looking strong. But surrounding are these thorns. And he says, what are the thorns? The thorns are the the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. And we've been there. This is something we struggle with greatly in our country because we're such a blessed country. And so, as this grows up, my concerns about the things that I have begin to smush it. And so, I lay onto that my entertainment choices. And I lay onto that my dress choices. And I lay onto that my, my wealth choices. And I lay onto that the things that I think I need to be popular and the things that I think I need to, to be accepted. And I, we start to lay on. Top of the plant, on top of the seed that was growing, and it crushes it out because I'm so distracted by all the other things that I think I also need. And this is where Jesus is saying, Are you listening? And the very last one says this Verse 15. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who hear in the word hold it fast and in an honest and good heart bear fruit with patience. And what he said right when he gave the parable, remember that it says when you bear fruit, it comes back in a hundredfold type deal. Back in verse uh, uh, back in verse eight. It grew and yielded a hundredfold. That is astounding in agriculture. No farmer expects a hundredfold increase from there. He says, but if you listen, then you receive this hundredfold increase and there's blessing in your life. And I don't mean that you get rich and you get wealthy, but your life becomes a life that produces fruit and those around you are impacted. Those around you are blessed and encouraged because of the kind of life you're living. Remembering what it says in Galatians. In Galatians, it calls us the fruit of the Spirit love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Who wouldn't want a hundredfold of that in your life? See, this isn't based on your circumstances. We get so wrapped up, we think my circumstance dictates this. No, this is about your soil. This is about the condition of your heart. And Jesus ends this whole thing with, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And look how he ends the, this part. Um, sorry, I flipped open. Verse 15 again. And for those of the good soul, they are those who, hearing the word, hearing the word and listening to it, they hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And with that, he gives this parable to his disciples. And then he leaves them, and then he leaves us to wrestle with it. To, to lean into it and let us do its work. So I'm going to share with you just a couple of takeaways. And then invite us into a time in the communion. Here's my first takeaway. It's going to be going to be this. Soil condition is based on your submission condition. Your soil condition is based on your willingness to submit to what God's calling you to. See, that's what he's asking in each of these. these. Are you going to have the defenses up against it? Are you going to be challenged by all the struggles and the demands of life? What about the distractions of life? Or, in all things, are you willing to offer up your heart, your life, your whole self, and say, I'm going to submit... Even when I don't fully understand, even when it looks like the situation's going against me, even when it seems like the odds are stacked against me, even when it looks like it makes no sense to any of my coworkers around me why I would do this, why it makes no sense to anybody on my sports team why I would do this, why it makes no sense, I'm going to submit. This is how you cultivate the soil of your heart. This is what it means to com- cultivate is become in submission to hearing this word. And then allowing God to grow. Because see, the miracle of growth is not something that you can control. You can help be receptive to it, but you can't control it. That's a God thing. See, remember in the story, God is the sower. God is the gardener. God's the one that's casting out the seed. And doesn't He do it generously? Remember, He just cast it everywhere. Even on you, regardless of what kind of soil you currently are, your willingness to submit changes your soil condition into be receptive of what God can do. What God can do. Because here's the second thing I want you to understand fruit is the result of your soil, not your toil. Okay? This is not some type of works based righteousness this is not well you need to really work real hard at being peaceful even if it makes you angry you know you need self-control if it even kills you okay you you need to share jesus with somebody else because you're supposed to okay this this has the fruit in your life is not you working harder think about the parable that we've been given Okay, pick any kind of tree. Apple trees produce what? Peace trees produce? There's not an apple tree in the world that sits out there and goes, I've got to make apples. Because nah! I don't want to make peaches. They produce it because that's what they were designed to do. You're designed to produce fruit in your life. This is what God is doing in you and through you and with you, not because you're working harder at it. Does that make sense? Because I would not want you to walk out of here and go, okay, I've got to work harder at peace. Check. I've got to work harder at self-control. Check. I've got to work harder at love. Check. I've got to work harder at joy. Check. Submit. Submission into the Word, being receptive to that, and allowing Him to come in and do the work, and He will produce the hundredfold fruit in your life beyond your imagination. That's why He asks us, are you listening to this? This only comes through an intimate personal relationship with the one that knows you better than you know yourself. With the one that was willing to lay down his life, be buried in the soil, and rise again. To be alive and Lord today. It only comes to the one that we're spending this entire year focused on. Because looking at him makes a difference. It only comes from Jesus. So I'm going to share with you one more part from chapter 8. And I'm going to let this set us up as we go in into communion. Jump down with me to a strange passage. Luke chapter 8, verse 19. Because he's, he's, Luke's told us this story. And Jesus told us this parable. And this thing happens right after that. Then his mother and his brothers came to him. But they could not reach him because of this great crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, this looks like the rudest thing in the world, doesn't it? I mean, if you're Mary, you're his mother, aren't you going to kick into mother mode at this point? I gave birth to you. I walked three days back to the temple to find you. He's not dissing Mary Mary and his brothers. What he's doing, he's saying, look. Look. This is what it's like to be in relationship with me. My brothers and all are welcome to join in relationship with me and all it takes is you submitting to what you hear. All it takes is to opening your life, your heart up to what I'm trying to bring. All it takes is allowing this message that God has come near. And God is willing to lay down His life to be in relationship with you. Those who are willing to look in the mirror with all the imperfections that you see and then we want to say, God, what will you do with this? I'm going to ask the gentlemen that are going to be serving our communion, if you would, go take your places, please. As we go into this time, I want you to understand what this Lord's Supper is. It is His... Supper, meaning He's the host of it. And so just as it is so special now when we sit down and we eat together, we have a lunch together, we have a special dinner together, Jesus is inviting you to come and sit with Him and have a conversation and be in relationship with Him. He's the one that offers this meal to you. So I want to invite you to have a conversation, to allow yourself to be opened up to God. So I have a couple of questions for you to think about while you take in this supper. Here's the first one. Are you listening? He who has ears let him hear. Are you listening? And then to continue on that one, the second question is this. What defenses, difficulties, and distractions are preventing you from submitting to God? What what, what is going on that you need to offer up to God and say, I've allowed it to choke out the joy that you provided. I've allowed it to be my defense, to be the hard path and not allow you to enter in. I, I've allowed these struggles, these challenges, these obstacles, this season of life, this person, whatever it is, I've allowed that to rob from me what you've been trying to give I want that to start a conversation that you're having with God. And I really encourage you to listen.